0: And I'm gonna say Love Actually because I love that
1: movie. You don't have to just watch it at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Hello, and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 177, the regular and Star Polygon episode. This week, very happy to have on the show Danny Grace. Danny is an emerging artist from Asheville, North Carolina. She started playing music in grade school when she was bullied, and picked up her first left-handed guitar. Uh, this eventually led to busking at Earth Fair. Earth Fair, uh, if you're not from Asheville, is uh, one of our local uh, kind of kind of like Whole Foods grocery store, and it is uh, semi-famous for its busking scene outside of its uh, entrance. Anyway, after the busking, uh, Danny began to pursue a full time music career where she met Peter Brownlee, a gifted producer, who worked on her Artificial Emotions and Closer tracks. Danny has played at the Leaf Festival and has built her own home studio and begun teaching herself music production to start the production of her six song EP. And you're going to hear some of that on this episode. You can find her at DannyGraceMusic.com. This is Danny Grace.
2: Everybody's worth some gold
0: is an acoustic song that is being redone Mm -hmm. along with a couple other songs for my spring release um which i'm really excited about and it was written kind of in the context of like you hear a lot of things and like the media you hear a lot of things on whatever if you watch the news i don't watch the news but if you watch the news you hear a lot of things that might be true might be false or just might be uneducated and i feel like People, in my opinion, people should, instead of listening to everything they hear and instantly believing that, research on all sides, find studies, find evidence behind what you are taking as a belief system or a moral, whatever it is. And that's really what all we know went to. Because I feel like in this world, there's so much going on with social media sometimes fake news or miseducated news gets mixed with the real thing. And that's really what that song started as. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that when I was 16, 17. Also around that time, my mom had just passed and it was very unexpected. Um, So that was another reason of like, we only know what we're told. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the lyrics of the song. Um, we only see what we know because everybody's perspective is very subjective to your own experience of reality.
1: So you're writing this at 16 or 17. And, uh, and how old are you now? If you don't I'm 22. Know, 22. So are you looking back and saying, um, you know, that person, you know, I, I really had it figured out at 16 or 17. Or do you think, well, you know, I, I might change that a little bit if I wrote it today, but I'm going to leave it like it is.
0: I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I wouldn't change it. I feel like if anything, that song and those lyrics are more relevant today mm-hmm. than they were back in 2016, 2017. Um, because now, especially, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. and there's a lot of miseducated information going on on all sides of whatever you want to talk about. You know, it's not just like politics. That's not what I'm referring to. All right. I'm referring to in general.
1: All right. Um, the earth is flat. Stuff like that.
0: Exactly, exactly. And even within the music community as well, there's misinformation or some genres are known to do something. Some genres are known to do different things, but music is meant to be shared. It's meant to be meshed together, if you will. Um, So I would never change it. I think that song is very, very good. I would love, I'm excited to rework it in my my release because I'm going to add things to it. Like percussion is just going to be solely acoustic anymore. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I haven't figured out exactly what I want to add yet, but I'm really excited for that change. But as far as the lyrics and melody goes, it would take a lot for me to change one of my songs, mm-hmm. honestly.
1: You tell me about a a book that you might recommend to people. It doesn't have to be your favorite book, just any book or books you might recommend. Any book? Any book, yeah. If I don't like it, I'll delete it out.
0: I think everybody should invest. It doesn't have to be one specific book necessarily, but in a spiritual book,
3: Hmm.
0: nothing that is religiously tied in any way, shape or form, whether that's Christianity or the Quran or anything, but just like a book about your yourself, your Mm -hmm. spiritual self as a whole, and also books on meditation because I have I have OCD, um, mm-hmm. which is a anxiety disorder, and one way I self manage is meditation. And I feel like a lot of people with mental health or PTSD, a lot of those issues, could really benefit from that. Not tied to a religion or any kind of belief system, unless that's what they would want. But I think that would be very beneficial to, in my opinion, anybody and everybody.
1: That's the correct answer. Good job.
0: Yay! Yeah. I'm a winner.
2: Running in circles isn't Easy hobby starting But never making progress It's similar to life when you never give yourself a clean slate. You just pull yourself down into a pit that you don't know how to escape. Emotions won't let go of me, like ankle dragging me deep into the sea without.
0: perfect timing. So I first started getting really bad anxiety when I was 15. In high school, I was bullied a lot when I was younger, hmm. um, for many years. And that definitely manifested itself into my social anxiety I have today. And I remember I started having panic attacks. And one day I was at the mall, this is gonna sound really silly, but I was like, 16, 15, And I got my haircut at the mall. And we were walking out, I was with my dad, and I had this overwhelming fear that people would hate my hair. And I know it sounds weird, but my 16-year-old self, that's what my mind wanted to fixate on. And at that time, I didn't know I had OCD. I didn't know I had intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And I actually went to the bathroom because I was having a panic attack. I had a panic attack in the bathroom. And when I walked out, my father was kind of freaked out. He was like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. And then I wrote artificial emotions as a way to let those feelings and thoughts out and kind of take the control away from them, if that makes sense. And I also feel like with mental health specifically, a lot of people don't talk about it. Just like chronic health, people don't talk about it. So people don't understand it as easily unless you search for the information. So when I wrote artificial emotions, my goal not only was to reach other people that felt like they had these issues or obstacles, but also to reach out to people who may not completely understand that thought process of somebody with a mental health issue or an issue that is chronic Mm -hmm. and invisible specifically. Um, because invisible illnesses are hard and that is really the basis of that song and it's a really emotional song for me to this day um sometimes when i'm singing i just kind of like disassociate into another completely different space um and sometimes it makes me emotional when i perform it as well because it's got that deep root of letting things out but music my songs have most of the time been a therapy for me after i was bullied so that's gonna be a reoccurring theme definitely as well within this podcast, um, with a couple songs. Yeah.
1: You know, that's interesting. Um when I took coincidentally, when I took um in college I took abnormal psychology and um the our uh, instructor said that uh it's very difficult to study teenage psychology because there are there are teenage behaviors that if they were present in an adult would be a diagnosis, but they're totally, totally normal in a, in a teenager because of all the anxiety that comes with being a teenager. And one of the examples he gave was, I forget, I forget the um, disorder, but uh, it wasn't even disorder. It was, um, I forget what it was anyway. But the example he gave was if all your hair fell out and you didn't leave the house, like if all your hair fell out, he said, if you, if, if as an adult, if, uh, if you, Something happened. You used the wrong, you know, hair dye or something, and all your hair fell out, and you didn't leave the house for a month. That would be abnormal. That would be a a reaction disorder, and we would say you know that would be an unreasonable. Like
0: agoraphobia, almost.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're so so ashamed of it, and, and you know there were a lot, of, a couple of people, uh, in the class that were like, I don't know, I might I might not leave the house, you know, um, and but he said, but if you heard a teenager say that, you'd think. That's, that totally makes sense. You know, of course they wouldn't want to leave the house because they don't, they don't have the coping skills for that. And that's part of like being a teenager and and like what you went through, um, you know, having a, 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 just being self-conscious about your hair as an adult, you'd be like, okay, I'm self-conscious about it, but I can get through it. You know, you have the two things going on at the same time. You can, you can have it and you can deal with it and it doesn't like totally dissolve your life but as a teenager sometimes those things come up and if it's your first time dealing with it it makes sense to stay in stay in bed for a month or worry that people are gonna freak out if they see your hair at the mall or something like that
0: there's gonna be a lot of coincidences
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you've planned for those coincidences we got those <laughs> coincidences all planned out here
0: are they really <laughs> coincidences though? Right,
1: right yeah you got my list that I sent you beforehand of things, coincidences we want to have. Yeah, I have okay. it pulled up. Okay, good, good. How about a movie you recommend for people? This moving? is
0: hard because I don't ever watch movies. A moving um, picture. You're
1: familiar with the idea of movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. alright
0: I'm going to be a little sappy-sap. And I'm going to say Love Actually because I love that movie. Yeah. It's such a
1: good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, yeah. You don't have to just watch it at Christmas
0: probably see it exactly yeah exactly and the nightmare before christmas is another one you don't have to watch it at christmas right it has every holiday in there you can watch it on halloween exactly on uh-huh. new year's
1: yep arbor day whenever there's trees in it
2: lights, i know that we just met but you know what i'm about slowly if you're the one for me tonight we'll wait and see I love this song.
0: Um, So the story behind Closer, this is a big story. Uh, well, not really. It is a big story to me. When I was 17, I met a producer that used to live in Asheville. His name is Peter Brownlee. He doesn't know I'm going to talk about him on this podcast, <laughs> but he's going to find out. But it's okay. All right. And he was one of the first producers that I had ever met that actually, like i mean i would only worked with like one or two producers um but he was so focused on my music he was like you can make it you can do this he was very encouraging he actually was the one who also did artificial emotions with me mm-hmm. um but closer we actually i told him i wanted to start getting into upbeat music you know music that people could dance to people that kind of music mm-hmm. and so we actually he sat down at his piano and we actually wrote Closer together. Like, he would be singing, and I would be coming up with lyrics. He'd be playing the piano, and we wrote it together. And Closer is, it can be about a number of things. You know, it's a it's a love story. You know, it's about, yes, it's set in, like, a club scene where people are dancing, you know, bright lights, thick, thick crowds. I know that we just met, but I know what you're about kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But taking it out of that club scene, that's more of, like, a, an analogy or do simile, I don't, I don't know which one it would be, but a metaphor, metaphor, yeah. it's a metaphor um, for you being around a bunch of people and you feel one way or the other. I wrote this song with him. One of the feelings I was getting was, um, I'm bisexual or pansexual, whatever you want to call it, but I'm in that umbrella of mm-hmm. queerness. And part of that was, if you see somebody and you love them or you want to get to know them, whatever that is, no matter who it is, there shouldn't be any fault in that for anybody, in my opinion. Um, And that's really what I wrote that song for, but I wanted to write it in a way that was inclusive to everybody to be able to just listen to it and have a good time, not listen to it and be really focused on, the lyrics would be really focused on the production of the song, even though I think it's a beautiful song. I wanted them to focus more on like, this is a good song. I want to dance to this song and I want to have fun to this song. That's, that's what closer was, but the production of it was really fun. Um, and I miss Peter.
1: Oh, so nice. what were the, um, what were the little weird sounds in there? What was making that?
0: You mean like the closer, dude. yeah, that yeah, part. Yeah. So Peter, actually, I told him I want to do an experiment with sampling. And so he took clips of my voice and he put them on the piano and he just started playing it. He started playing my voice on the piano and sampling it and put it in the song. Oh, cool. It was really fun. It was a good experience.
1: Do you have a favorite uh, vacation spot or vacation experience you like?
0: So when I was younger, we went on a couple cruises and one of my favorite places has always been Honduras because it is so beautiful. The culture down there, anywhere in the Caribbean, I think the culture is beautiful, but Honduras was beautiful. The food was beautiful. The people were beautiful. Also Belize too, because I went to both those areas, Honduras and Belize. Belize was also really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage anybody who hasn't like left the main continent of the united states to travel somewhere in the caribbean if you especially if you can't go like over to europe or someplace far away you know i encourage everybody to go and experience another culture outside of our main america because i think that cultural diversity and learning about the ways that some other parts of the world whether it's other countries or other parts of the United States or Europe. I think it's very important for people to learn other cultures and be open to other cultures and then bring that love that other people in other countries have for their culture back here Mm -hmm. and to share that.
1: That's a good, good reason to choose a vacation, vacation spot.
0: I love traveling in general, so I'd go anywhere.
1: More with Danny Grace in just a few moments. I want to remind you to check out her website, DannyGraceMusic.com And that is spelled D-A-N-I-G-R-A-C-E M-U-S-I-C Dot com Did you get that? Write it down Also don't forget to check out the podcast uh, Just search WNC Original Music wherever you get your podcasts Or go to WNCOriginalMusic.com Or just tell Google to uh, play WNC Original Music Also your smart speaker Also, your friend who listens to WNC original music. It's probably where you got this episode. Hi, this is Jim from Angry Blue Planet. We have a delicious album for you on Bandcamp. Go to angryblueplanet.bandcamp.com and grab our album because it's fantastic. And Bandcamp supporters get the PDF album booklet as an added bonus. AngryBluePlanet.BandCamp.com Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with the Get Right Band. Um, Itopia is the name of their recent album. It starts with an I. Uh, I Itopia, E-Y-E-topia, is the name of an optician in uh, Texas. So we were both right. This week, Allison Price, our resident reviewer, covers an album from His and Hers, a North Carolina-based duo. The album is Come On In. It's their third album, and you can find them at hisandhersnc.com.
4: As soon as you press play on the most recently released album from husband and wife Americana folk duo His and Hers, also known as Caleb and Sarah Davis, you're sure to crack a smile, At least, that's what happened to me when I listened to their third album, Come On In. In the true fashion of folk music, even the lyrics that pull on the heartstrings of longing are suffused with optimism. In their words, North Carolina-based His and Hers creates music inspired by family, relationships, and rural, simple living. Those wholesome themes are very apparent on this album, as is the chemistry between Caleb and Sarah. I enjoyed hearing their interplay between their voices and their instruments, which wove a tapestry that suggested many more musicians were present than in actuality. The songs on Come On In were written, recorded, and produced at the Davis home, which I didn't know until I read the description Caleb sent. The mixing is just that good. All vocals and instruments were played by the husband and wife duo, with the exception of harmonica, which was performed by Kenny Orsillo of the folk band Down the Mountain. Overall, if you enjoy Americana folk music... Steeped in tradition, yet freshened up with youthful energy and joy, you should check out Come On In by His and Hers. You'll be in for a great time.
2: This is Ben. This is Quinn. Davis. This is Sid. And this is W. And C. Original. Music.
0: Yeah, that was great. That was great. <laughs>
2: Chasing dreams in desperation. Heart racing, my mind aching. I'm trying.
0: Back to the coincidences. Uh Um, Evergreen, I wrote when I was 15. It was the first song that I had ever written. And it is about how I felt being bullied growing up. Um, Because I remember when I was younger, I used to play outside a lot. And there was in our backyard, kind of our backyard, kind of the neighbor's yard, there was a big pine tree and i would always go to that pine tree and i would climb it and i would just kind of be in my own space especially with the emotional state i was in at that time Um, when i was younger it was kind of my way of getting away i've always been a nature person so getting away and being within wonderful mother earth nature um that's what evergreen is about you know sitting at the base of this evergreen tree I think to myself, "Is there potential in me?" You know, and I'm really excited to rework that song as well, which I'm actually in the process of doing at this time, um, moving on from "Flight to You," um, and I'm really excited.
1: What are you? What are you going to do different with this song?
0: Um, I'm trying to just same thing with "All We Know." I want to keep the melody and the lyrics the same. I want to keep the guitar mostly the same if I can. Um, and I would just want to add more elements to it to where it's not just acoustic and voice anymore. I want to make mm-hmm. it more—I don't know what the word is—but more
1: <laughs> full, complex. Yeah, I guess. Um, I was reading where you are really getting into home studio recording. Um, what do you enjoy about that?
0: It saves a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm actually sitting at my PC right now. Um, I use I bought FL Studio. It's great, but DAW teaching yourself music production is a big learning curve.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I feel like I'm doing a good job. You know, I've never I've taken like a little music theory here and there, but I've never been able to go out and take multiple classes on music theory or music production. So. Mm-hmm. YouTube has been a great resource
3: yeah, yeah. for
0: learning music production. And I've always loved music. I've always wanted to make it a career and what better way to love music and make a career out of music than to make music. Yeah. Um. So I hope one day I'll be up to that par where I can start recording other people as well as myself.
1: Oh yeah. Have you recorded people, other people? At all? Not yet. Okay. When I was, uh, I'm a lot older than you, and my first um, recording experience, I still have it. Do I have it here? Mm, somewhere. But I had a little four-track cassette re- recorder. It was a four, four-track studio, um, portable. It was about the, about the size of an iPad, but two inches thick. And uh, it just used all four sides, or both sides of a cassette tape at once, so you could record four tracks individually. And then you could bounce it down and do you know four more tracks and that sort of thing. Uh, It was basically the technology they had in, like, 1965, but uh, this was, like, the 90s. And I would go and record bands, and at that time, like, there weren't, you know, there was no, there weren't even personal computers, you know, they were were just starting, but uh, there was no such thing as a doll or anything like that. And just, it was so great, because just to be able to record your band on four tracks uh, or, or be able to, like, record, you know, two people and turn it into four was just amazing. And I would like make, I made quite a bit of money doing that just with no production value. You know, it's just whatever, whatever was in the room was on the tape at the time. There was no going back and putting in reverb or anything like that. And uh, just that (laughs) sometimes I get like, I feel like we're spoiled with the dolls because um, just what we could do back then with just four, four track cassettes was, you know, incredible for the time. And everybody was like just amazed by it. And now, you know, People fight about, like, so they'll say some doll is crap when I'm like, no, a doll, any doll is an amazing piece of, you know, technology and you should be thankful for it, you know.
0: I think it really just depends on how somebody uses it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I feel like anybody can make, quote unquote, bad music, Yeah. Um, even though I don't even know what constitutes as bad music. I guess badly mixed music or badly mad, I don't know. Um, but you can, in my opinion, you can do that with any doll. Specifically, but I also feel like any dog can make a lot of really nice things, too.
1: Other than WNC Original Music, the podcast you're on right now, do you well, have any podcast recommendations?
0: There is a podcast on Spotify that is called Internet Urban Legends. Uh-huh. Now so if uh-huh. anybody that ends up watching this is somebody who likes haunted things or conspiracy theory things or anything in that occult vibe. Mm-hmm. That podcast is really good because basically what they do is they go through these like urban legends and stuff and they debate they have like somebody who has really a lot of supernatural experience and they have a skeptic on there as well and they kind of just like go back and forth about could it actually be real or could there be a scientific explanation for it and it's really good
1: oh I like that I like the science part of it yeah, it's on a uh, Spotify. Yeah, okay. Internet urban legends. Uh, by the way, you said anyone who watches this, but you know, this is uh, an audio podcast. It's not going to be on or YouTube. listens to yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure.
0: Same thing, kind it.
1: of. Not really. I I'd feel bad. Anybody if you, who participates. I'd feel bad if you got all dressed up and you weren't, you know, disappointed to find out later.
0: the first song that i've ever completely well semi-completely done myself i wrote the song back in like 2019 2020 but i saved it and i sat on it because i wanted to record it the right way Mm -hmm. you know i wanted it to be perfect and i'm really trying hard to make it perfect and i'm really excited
3: yeah
0: it's got a lot of synth bass it's got a lot of cool vocals in it it's got a lot of guitar in it and i think it's going to be amazing when people listen to it i actually performed it um the other week at white horse in -hmm. black mountain and everybody loved it people were dancing they were cheering they were clapping and it was a really good experience especially since it was the first time other than like the small teasers I've done on Instagram—it's the first time I've actually like brought this song forward as a whole piece
3: mm-hmm.
0: for an audience, and the love that it got was really exciting. It's really nice. exciting.
1: Oh, cool, cool. How are you playing? Uh, how are you playing the up-tempo songs live? Are you still just using acoustic guitar, or are you, do you?
0: I'm using backing tracks.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, great.
0: Yeah. Right now, I can't play guitar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got injured at my day job or third shift job, but my non music job that hopefully will one day become my music job, you know. Right. And so, because I play left handed, I can't fret my fretboard. Oh you
3: know, yeah.
0: Right now, so even my acoustic songs at this moment, I am doing the backing tracks from oh, okay. when I recorded
1: them for oh, the first nice. time. Yeah. Um. You talked. Uh, you talked earlier about busking at Earth Fair. Uh, you want to revisit that? I don't think. Uh, I don't think you got everything out that you were talking about. About it. you were. You started at 14, busking at Earth Fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I started at. Uh, Words English is hard. I started busking at 14, and busking is street entertaining. You know, mm-hmm. it's playing on the street um that's where I sang a lot of covers I had a little I still have it. it's a battery-powered amplifier very good very useful um and it was kind of the start of my musical journey into a career because at that age I didn't really know what I wanted to do like I knew I loved music but I didn't know it would become like my passion, my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was a therapy to me, but busking and the love that I received through busking kind of catapulted me into this like performer music scene mindset of, I want to do this as a career. Yes. It's difficult to be a musician as a career, especially at the beginning, but I don't care.
1: (laughs) Right. Did you ever, uh, have a clash with the other people who wanted to bus there in front of earth fair? Or was there like a sign Yeah, They actually sheet? had a schedule. Oh, okay. Um,
0: somebody at earth fair ran a schedule for the uh-huh. buskers outside and there would be a couple singers. There would also be a couple of vendors, mm-hmm. one of which I'm still very good friends with today. Oh yeah. Um, and so I would just contact them and say, Hey, I want to be on a schedule. And they were like, yeah, do you want to play Sundays from one to three? And so I played Sundays from one to three oh, cool. for a couple of years.
1: Did you get, did you meet a lot of people that just came up and watched you and were like, Hey, I'm a musician too. Yeah. yeah. A
0: lot of people also with that were surprised and very caught off guard by the fact that I play left-handed, uh-huh. especially other guitarists, because they see that and they're like, what is it, what is going on? You know, cause there's not a lot of left-handed players.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and yeah, I would get people saying like, "That's cool, I'm a musician." I actually met. There's a band called Stick Figure Music, mm-hmm. and they're big now. But I had met them outside of Earth Fair. Oh yeah. And they had just played at Bonnaroo that year, and they were like, "You're really good. Keep it up." And that's something I've always kept in the back of my mind of like, "That's cool," and they're headlining at all these big festivals, and I met them. Yeah. Um. So, I met a lot of cool people at Earth Fair. Oh, cool. Um. That's also how. One of the ways I got a festival gig in 2018 um at Leaf in Black Mountain uh-huh. in October I was really young at that point so I didn't I didn't know exactly what performing at a festival entailed you know I was little I'd never been to a festival. I'm actually about to go to my first concert in May um where I won't be performing. I'll just be enjoying uh-huh. and They come up to me and they are like, have you ever heard of Leaf, blah, 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 you know, you should message them. So I messaged them once in 2017 and I never got a response, but then I messaged them again in 2018 and they put me in for their festival. I got to play three 30-minute sets. to you but it's actually a breakup song mm-hmm. it's like my taylor swift moment if you will um i was in high school i was 17 when i wrote this and i was writing it in tears i don't know if the person that it's about knows it's about them they probably do hopefully they don't uh-huh. if you do i'm sorry i <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I remember I wrote it in tears and then I recorded it at Landslide Studio um, in Asheville. And I remember when I was recording it for the first time, which it's also being re-recorded and re-released in the release in the spring. Um, At one point, I just like, I don't know what happened, but I just started belting it out. I was just letting it out, You you know? And it was one of the most influential moments singing has had for me. Um, because you can sing, when somebody sings, it's singing. But when you sing from, like, a therapeutic point of view or a point of view that is rooted in um, negative emotions or sadness or trauma, whatever you will, it's different. mm mm-hmm. It's different. Um, it feels different. You know, instead of just feeling your voice, you feel your whole body as an instrument just cleansing itself. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the most amazing experiences I've probably ever had recording. Oh, nice. was it wanted the first time. Yeah. Um,
1: um, are you going to record it at home? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, cool. so I have a Sonus Revelator. And that's done me very, very nicely, um, and I'm going to re-record it. I haven't gotten to that song yet, but yes, it will be re-recorded with a couple of new ones as well.
1: Okay. Do you have any uh, musical impressions?
0: I don't think so. I know who I've been compared to, Who's but that? I don't think I sound like them.
1: Who? Who is it?
0: Um, well, I've been compared from some past, mainly Busking. When I was younger, they told me I was like Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. I've heard that I'm like Dido. Um, with my singing style.
3: Uh-huh.
0: I've heard Carly Pierce, who's a country singer. Um, when I used to live stream, this one's a big stretch, but people used to compare me to like Adele. But I'm definitely not Adele.
3: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Oh, okay. But I can't as far as like impersonating somebody's voice, I've never really tried. Yeah. Um, I've mainly tried to foster my own voice and
1: find my own style. Okay, thanks to Danny Grace for being on the podcast. Once again, you can find her at DannyGraceMusic.com Also, you can find all of her songs on all the streaming services and check the show notes for uh, specifics on that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to WNCOriginalMusic.com Also, thanks to Allison Price for the review of the new album by His and Hers. Allison recently became a scrum master, so uh, think about that for a while. Closing track this week comes from our friend Landon Gray. Landon Gray has been on the podcast before. He's got a great new song out called Honeymoon Eyes. He co-wrote it and co-performs it with Zen O'Brien. It's a really cool track. I think you'll like it. Here's Landon Gray. Have a good week.
2: The little May, was it early June? when the windows shed a light in the apartment, living room, and you looked in the and a lot feel i, allowed, I saw straight into those honeymoon nights When I looked, I could see the feeling
3: not trying to trash on the music scene because the music scene is wonderful. I'm recording this. Okay, go ahead.